I don't know. I got caught off guard. <laughs> <laughs> By what? I really don't know because I was the one that pressed the button. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's happening. Okay, well, we're recording today. We are on Valentine's Day. We're gonna say that, and then this episode's gonna come out like a month from now. <laughs> That's fine. That's a fine. <laughs> That's a fine Valentine's Day. That's weird. <laughs> I didn't like that. I don't know. We're back this week. Episode four. Episode four. We hope you liked one, two, and three. I gotta find three. Or maybe it's two. Hopefully you've listened to those at this point, though. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't, then you should. I mean, you can keep listening to this one, but you should listen to the first three. Should they? They should. They should. Okay. Well, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was all right. Yeah, I'm going to have to take that into consideration whenever we look for a new place to live. Recording space. And Shane's actually taking it pretty seriously. He offered, like I said, to take all of his clothes out. Episode four. We come to you. From the tiny closet. On the day of Val's. Valentine's. You know what we should have done? The St. Valentine's Day Massacre. That would have been solid. Yeah, but this isn't coming out on Valentine's. That's true. We can plan for shows on holidays. To We to can release special day. holiday episodes. Yeah, because I could have done the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, and you could have done, like, the mythology behind St. Valentine. That would have been cute. Aw. Cupid would be shooting people. Next year, maybe? Yes. If we're here, if we're around, if they love us. I'm gonna fucking be here, and they definitely gonna be here. Silas just gonna be sitting in this closet. I don't even live here anymore. No, you don't. You and know. I'll be like, so, Liz didn't show up this week. Or the last... 52 weeks. 12 weeks <laughs> since they moved. And didn't tell me where. <laughs> oh, oh, that happen. Yikes. Well... So, today we are talking about cults. One of my top three favorite topics. Just obsessed. Because I know I am very susceptible to be into one. What? Yeah. I think we both are. I think I've been in one. Hmm. Socially acceptable cult, spiritual principles. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Self-help. Self-help is a cult yes. in general. So, but Liz will go first this time just to start it off. I have the definition of a cult. Ooh, give it to me. A relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Cult first appeared in English in the early 1600s, derived from the French word culte, meaning worship which in turn came from the Latin word cultus, meaning care, cultivation, and worship. In reality, cults have been around since the beginning of life. Many, as offshoots of religion or belief systems. Some are seen as more socially acceptable than others, and those who aren't super extremists 
lay low and these cults can last forever. We don't even necessarily know about all of them because not everyone ends up wanting to take over the world or thinking it's the end of the times or getting I mean, it over their heads or... Yeah. I, I feel like a lot of them genuinely think that they like are doing the right thing or what they're supposed to. And Unfortunately, kinda... you are not wrong. Yeah. And most cults, not really the one I'm going to talk about today, but most cults prey on those people who are just trying to find their identity, who are just trying to fit in with society, and most of the followers really do have good intentions. They just need some guidance in life and usually end up leading some kind of psycho-narcissistic asshole. Yeah, I mean, they literally, and it's all timing. Yeah. Like, you have to be, generally people are like, like you said, really vulnerable, and they're like, in a place where they're like, I don't really know what to do next, and then the right person happens across them and is like, this is what you're meant to do, Yeah, this is how you do it. And then you're in it, and you're like, oh shit, I'm in it. Well, you know, you like to talk about the satanic panic. And that age, think about how many people were so easily influenced. Because think about all the cults that came out then. You had, like, Charlie Manson. You had, um, help me. You're talking, like, 70s? Yeah, like, just that oh, era. Oh, dude, there were so many. You had Jim Jones. You had Charles you. Manson. You. you had uh, the family, like, Children of God, like, Joaquin Phoenix yes. and all those people. So. Imagine all these marginalized groups who are self-medicating with drugs that are very socially acceptable, and tell me you're not dropping acid at Woodstock, and this man is trying to tell you about the right path that you're supposed to be living, and you're probably literally visualizing him as a god. Oh, I'm on it. Like... I'm tripping balls and... I was about to be like, you're on what? No, I'm just saying, if I'm... If it was the 70s and I was tripping balls and following Jerry Garcia everywhere he went, I'd, the Grateful Dead in its own is probably a cult. Right. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting that the actual definition of a cult actually has the word sinister in it. That's the Google noun dictionary.com. I just find that to be super highly interesting. And it's regarded by others as strange or sinister. So really the term cult is a judgment, more or less. Right. So, I mean, we could get into existential conversations all day long. You know, it's one of my favorite things to do. I'm just curious as whenever it becomes sinister is when it becomes a cult. And before that, it's just religion. You know? Very interesting. Well, there's a huge... Like you said, this is like an entire conversation, but like there is a difference between like religion and cults. It's right. It's a very fine line. And that's what I'm saying. Because like that... the people I, the, I grew up Southern Baptist and those are some crazy ass people. Right. And they believe in some crazy shit and you are a ride or die. You either are in it or you are not in it. Well, you know. Then I asked the question, what makes things like ISIS not a cult? Like, traditionally, it's not considered a cult, but it is kind of a religious extremist group 
they are a cult, essentially. Right? Isn't that just interesting? But then also, like, who determines whether these people are cults or not? Because, like, the cult I talk about referred to themselves as a cult. So, like, they were like, we a cult. We a cult. It's just fascinating. I mean, technically, us and our husband and wife can be a cult because we a tiny group of people with sinister intentions that people think are sinister and strange. (laughs) That would be, me and you would be a cult. It's a small group. Like, Hopefully, we start a cult. The deep fried unknown cult. Yeah, the hush puppies. I don't know. I don't know why that made me so uncomfortable. Same, because, like, that's not even... I was just... It just popped in my The head. hush puppies. I don't know. I don't like that. <laughs> Anyways, hopefully we have a small cult. That's all I'm saying. Cult following. It would be kind of a dream of mine to be a cult leader. And I say that unironically. I feel like... I think it'd be cool. some point, though, you'd be like, can y'all just leave me alone? Oh, yeah. Like, can you go find something to do? Because I ain't got it today. I would be the one that would be like, we haven't seen her in ten years, but we know she's there. And I'm just, like, sending out things through my other people. So you would make me entertain them? Yes. I would have, like, a group of, like, four solid I don't know what I'd call them. I haven't gotten there yet in my cult planning. Four solid people around me that, like, their faces didn't make me want to punch them. And then I'd be like, this is my new, this is my new dictate. This is my new rule. Go preach it. Go tell them. But what would your whole point be? Like, what would you be trying to do? I just want praise and admiration. So, can you hop on my agenda and use what I want? No, because then I would have to interact with people. I want to be the figurehead that just gets to send out rules and nobody has to see me. I don't actually have to talk to anyone. People just have, like, my photo in their living room. Yeah, but, like, you know, can like you God. use my, like, obsession for certain things? I mean, you can help me come up That's with the That's what I'm saying. Concept. Like, you want to rule people, but, Yeah, like... I just want to rule. I got the con- I got concepts all yeah. day. No, you can actually be the little like puppet master. I'm just gonna smile and make the rules and make the rules. Okay, and make people fear me. That's cool. That's my plan. Welcome. Oh yeah, I forgot that you guys are here. <laughs> Sketch. Yeah. Welcome to the deep fried unknown cult. I'm gonna go first this week. Yeah. And. I should go first this week because of whoever went first last week, and that's fine. But I am so excited to bring you this cult. Oh, yikes. I'm so excited. It is what I would consider a little bit lesser known, but they are fucked up. They fucked up? Oh, man. Yeah. And that's, like, by my standard. And it takes a lot to, like, throw me off. I'm already uncomfortable. You should be. So, like, other religions have always interested me. Indeed. Because it's, it's different. And it's so regional and cultural melting pot and all that. And I love the history of religions. Oh, theology is, like, oh. gold. Yeah. Theology and sociology, which go hand in hand, essentially. They really do. But they are fucking killer. And it's so interesting to see how religions come about, or belief systems come about, 
just from the pure history or trauma that these people have lived through. It's fascinating. And the fact that they're also similar. They are. They really are. I am taking us back to the 80s. And I gotta show you a picture of this dude, too, that I'm gonna talk about. He had a sick mullet. March the 10th, 1989. Laurel's birthday. Happy birthday, Mom! Yeah, happy birthday, Laurel. God! Don't let her listen to this until on her birthday. <laughs> yeah, you have to listen to this on March happy the 10th. Happy birthday, Laurel, today. <laughs> today, on, the, on March the 10th. Yes. March the 10th, 1989, a group of college boys named Bill Huddleston. Ew. Ew. I'm sorry. What? You said college boys. I know. I did it on purpose. <laughs> that, is that, that's the most horrifying thing so far. We're not even in. That's, that's not even a full sentence in. Boys. And a group of college boys, Bill Huddleston, Bradley Moore, Brent Martin, and Mark Kilroy decided to travel from Brownsville, Texas, to the small border town of Matamoros, Mexico. I also want to throw a disclaimer in here. Throw it. I'm throwing it. Run it. If I pronounce anything wrong, I, in my deepest soul, am not trying to be offensive. I respect these religions. I respect these cultures. These people. I just want to apologize ahead of time. I did some like deep Google searching, trying to make sure I was pronouncing everything okay, correctly, but I might mess up because I'm a human and I have flaws. Are you? Are you a human? On the next episode. I thought you were just a picture hanging on a wall in a cult house. God. Anyways. Present. That's me. I just want to throw that out there because there are a lot of different names and, like I said, cultures, this religion has a lot of different names for things, and I just, I want everyone to know that I have the utmost respect for it, and I'm sorry. We there for it. And also, to the spirits that affect this religion, like, we homies, don't get mad at me, I'm respectful. I'm just throwing that out there, okay? You never know who's listening. And you're going to see why I'm paying homage to the spirits. All right? Yeah, you do you. I'm trying. So they traveled from Brownsville, Texas to a small border town of Matamoros, Mexico. 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 We're starting off strong. Already Dis- pronounced Mexico disclaim. wrong. Can't believe I just pronounced Mexico wrong. That's fine. Picture it. Matamoros, Mexico. Picture it. Mexico. The legal drinking age in this town was 18. (laughs) And these guys decided to go to celebrate the end of their spring break. I thought you were going to say eight. Like, honest to God. (laughs) Oh my God. What? I mean, everyone I talk to that goes to Mexico does not get carded. I mean, yeah, but eight's a little extreme. Is it? You know what? I mean, if you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. Do it up. Yeah. Eight years old. Sure. 
All the problems with that aside, they parked their cars on the Texas side of the International Bridge and actually walked across to Matamoros. So that's how, like, close they were. It was almost their backyard, it seems. They went and partied it up until the early hours of March the 11th, 1989. No longer my mother's birthday. Sorry, Laurel. No, that's going to be good because this shit gets weird, so I'm glad. Not sorry, Laurel. (laughs) While the men were walking back to their car, Mark Kilroy snuck off to a dark area to pee, and the other three noted that they were only about 200 feet from the border and decided to just walk ahead and that he would catch up. Like, they're 18, but these are four grown men. So they're like, you're going to go pee. Cool, we'll see you in a minute. The car is literally right there. I can fucking see it. Okay. So, when they reached the car, they hung out, waiting for Mark to show up. They waited for two hours. Mark did not show up. Five minutes. Like... Literally. I don't understand. It takes 15 seconds to, like, pull it out and pee. And put it back in and walk. And, like, put it back in. Pull it out, pee. But I don't... You know, just put it back in. Put it back in. Zip it up. Yeah. No, Tie your shoe. Notice your shoe was untied. I I mean, really. And he was 200 feet. So I feel like, yes, he was in, like, a dark alley. But, like, you could just watch the car... And, like, now, granted, these guys have been drinking all night. They waited for two hours. They decided maybe he passed out. Maybe he decided to go back to the bar. Maybe he got lost because he was drunk. I know. But whatever. Anything can happen. So they walked back across the border, went to where they were, went to the alleyway where they last saw him, couldn't find him anywhere. They're like, all right. Well, that's weird, but we're drunk. It's late. They went home. Can I ask a really dumb question? What's up? Was there nobody watching the border in 1989? I guess not. It, Like I said, it was an international bridge. Like, you'll see later on that the police departments actually had a really good relationship and, like, a really good working relationship. Yeah. So, maybe they just didn't feel like they needed to. That's wild. Yeah. That's, like, rare for any countries that touch each other. Well, yes and no. Because even now, Border Patrol, they're only worried about people coming over here. If Americans want to go over there, it's not as hard at all. No. From what I understand, Matamoros was kind of a regular spot for, like, young tourists to come and drink because they could drink at 18. So I think it, even if there was somebody there, the guys probably, like, waved at them and, like, kept walking. Yeah. You know what I mean? The next morning, they still hadn't heard from Mark. They decided to go to the U.S. consul in Matamoros and explain the situation. And they were told that Mark probably passed out somewhere Or maybe even got, like, arrested, like, public intoxication. He would turn up. They did not like that answer. And they waited, but they still hadn't heard from him. So they went and got Mark's parents. They went to the Cameron County Sheriff's Department, which is on the Texas side. And they had their statements taken by George Gravito. I might be wrong. Again. Sorry. 
Lieutenant George Gravito from the Cameron County Sheriff's Department was convinced that Mark went missing. Like, he's gone, gone. And he thought, well, the last time they saw him, Mexico side of the border, I'm going to go talk to the Matamoros Police Department because they had a really long, good history of, like, working together. He actually got greeted with a lot of pushback because that police department was convinced that he went missing on the U.S. side of the border and were like, nope, laissez-faire, we're not messing with this, not us, man. To Lieutenant Gravito's credit, he did not take that as an answer and went above their heads to the Mexican Federal Police. So they actually said, yes, let's figure this out. We're going to work with you. Their drug enforcement department actually was like, all of our resources, cool, let's help you out. The Kilroys, their friends, and both police forces searched for Mark. They posted over 200,000 flyers all along the valley of Rio Grande. And they did them in both Spanish and English. Like, they were trying to find this kid. They offered a $15,000 reward in 1989. Pretty sizable. His case was also featured on America's Most Wanted. Ugh. That's a daddy. John Walsh. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. Very intense. Very intense. He's like the coach version of Dog the Bounty Hunter. Do you know, like, Coach the Bougie brand? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, Dog the Bounty Hunters, like, great value, Joe Walsh. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes total sense. Side note to John Walsh, because you just called him Joe Walsh. Did uh, I say- <laughs> Do you, we can do it in a different time, but do you know the story? Of his kid. Yeah, of how he got into, like, America's Most Wanted? Yeah. Oh, fucking devastating. It's very sad, and... It shows, like, what, it's honestly a very healthy, unhealthy obsession that has turned into something positive. I know. (laughs) It's like... Like, good for him. Most psychologists are like, "Mm, not a good idea, but at least it's kind of like, but it's kind of like turned into this great thing that's like... Yes, and he's helped, got thousands of people. So, including this guy, a little bit, I guess. So, his case was featured on America's Most Wanted, and still almost an entire month went by with no word. Cold case. Nothing. Until the federal officers got a break in the case that they were not expecting. Ha! Me and Shane talked about chocolate-covered strawberries, um, and I wanted to do... That was the heater. I was like... I turned the heater off. What was that noise? I don't fucking know. <laughs> Do you hear it? What if we got murdered? What if somebody broke in the house right now? Moited. And what if we got moited on live television? Moited. Uh, it's not live. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. We're not gonna get murdered. <laughs> First of all, they gotta try to move me with the door. Yeah, you're right. So you're not gonna get murdered. I'm in just a prime. I need this. <laughs> so Liz and I are playing out our murder. She has an axe. I'm gonna. <laughs> While you're holding the door, like, her door? Oh, hold the door. Oh, Game of Thrones? No? Okay. So, while you're blocking the doorway, it would be way funnier if you knew what I just said. 
Uh, I need you to type up a letter giving Shane and Anna complete permission to exploit our murders because it will be recorded. Oh, yeah. Because I just want to be But they have to be smart about it and sell it to the highest bidder. I don't know. I feel like if we, I feel like if we went ham and was like ABC News immediately and that's who had it, then it wouldn't be, it'd be like a flash in the pan. I feel like we'd need to go viral. Like, they would just need to release it like as Facebook a podcast. Oh. Like, and then, like, promote it a little. And then people would be like, what? Why wasn't that being filmed? Liz just axed me in the arm multiple times. It's happening now. Oh, I'm bleeding everywhere. <laughs> and then I exploit your death. Because I just got you on tape saying I could. Yeah, but then you're going to be in prison. Oh, you're right. No, I'll have people... Oh, you can edit it. Yeah, exactly. Nobody would have to know. I would just scream, leave. Ah! My co... Co... My coat. Co-podcaster. Ah, my coat. Got blood all over it. (laughs) I was like, what? You sad because your coat got blood? I was going to say co-anchor and just was like, that's not it. So, co, co, co. My co anchor. Was all I got. During a routine operation with both the Mexican Federal Drug Enforcement Department and the American Drug Enforcement Agency, they set up roadblocks all along the border, including the small town of Matamoros. And it was just like a sting operation, not anything having to do with Mark or his disappearance. It was just what they were doing because that's what they did at the time. They were trying to stop. Drug smugglers. Drugglers. Drugglers. That was actually funny. I'm going to give you that. Drugglers. That was funny. All the roadblocks and the stops were going completely according to plan until one car refused to stop for the roadblock. Just sped right through it. Just kept driving. Bitches got to eat. Bitches got to go. Yeah. Kept it hot. I got stuff to do. I got stuff to do. But this idiot went straight to a ranch in a little town, Santa Elena, just south of Matamoros. And then got out and was like, why are you guys arresting me? That's weird. Literally. Did not understand why they were chasing him. Okay. They decided to use this as probable cause, and they searched the property. When they searched the property, they found hundreds... Of pounds of marijuana. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, people. I'm not there yet. <laughs> but Hundreds of pounds of people, like meat. Uh, no. Hundreds of pounds of people. Hundreds of pounds of marijuana on this ranch that these idiots just drove straight to. Like, oh, there's the popo. We gonna go go. He's probably stoned as fuck. Probably. I mean, honestly though, the driver because he comes up later and he helps break the case, but he's like so nonchalant about it. They even note it, like in the article I was reading, the specific one. He like was just telling them, like he was telling them about breakfast. Maybe it's like Anna and just don't give a fuck. I don't know, man. It was weird, though. Some people just don't give a so, fuck. They also found a small, nondescript shed that 
housed an altar, candles, and a large cauldron commonly associated with the local belief of brujeria. Now, brujeria is the literal meaning, the literal translation, is witchcraft. That's why I said bruja earlier. Yes. So, the practitioners of the spirituality are brujas, female, or brujos, male. Or, I don't know how to pronounce this one, but there is a genderqueer version. Stop B-R-U-J-I-X. And at the risk of offending literally everyone, I'm not going to pronounce that wrong. Bruhis something. Bruhis. I know. Bruhis. What is that X in Spanish? Yeah, that's what they're me Is it like silent? Modern brujeria is, in its essence, magic. That is a blend of folklore, herbalism, African magic, and healing, and Catholicism. It usually involves charms, divination, love spells, and hexes. And I got all that little quote from bese.com, bessie.com. I just thought it was an interesting, it was a very concise definition. So I liked it. Love spells. I know. It's Valentine's. Happy Valentine's Day! Love spells! All the men at the ranch were quickly arrested, including an elderly caretaker that lived on the property. Once at the station, the caretaker noticed the missing person flyer that the Commandant Juan Benitez Ayala kept on his desk. And looking at the picture, the old man said, I know that man. That picture was Mark Kilroy. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, shit. Jumping on the opportunity at a possible break in the case, Juan questioned the man who claimed that when he saw Mark, he was bound and held in the back of an SUV at the ranch not three weeks earlier. The old man had taken care to feed Mark and make sure he had water, but he hadn't seen him after that and wasn't sure what had happened to him. The commandant quickly questioned the other two men that were brought in. Serafin Hernandez and his brother, they don't mention what his brother's name is, they just call them the Hernandez brothers, him and his brother kidnapped Mark and took him to the ranch under orders from El Padrino, otherwise known as the Godfather, who had specifically asked for a smart, handsome American who was studying to be a doctor to be brought to him. When asked why... Seraphin answered as if he was listing off his groceries. El Padrino wanted a human sacrifice. Brainwashed? Oh, we're getting there. Like, what the fuck? Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo. Of course, Adolfo. Yeah. He was born in Miami. His mother was a Cuban immigrant who raised her child in the Afro-Caribbean religion of Palo Mayombe which is considered to be the darker sister religion of Santeria. Ah, I don't practice Santeria. We don't own the rights to that. I feel like we do. We don't. I feel like Sublime is like, everyone for you guys. Right? They also are probably so stoned they would drive right through roadblock. Also accurate. <laughs> Paulo began in the Congo and believes in the use of nature and ritual sacrifice for protection, healing, and even darker purposes. Once slaves from the Congo were colonized, some of the beliefs over time started to include traditionally ca- Catholic, I almost said Catholic, Catholic saints. I mean, you, I mean, traditionally Catholic saints. 
The practice includes animal sacrifice and sometimes the use of human bones, but does exclusively forbid the use of human sacrifice. The religion is usually associated with grave robbers. It's like a big, huge deal. Because human bones are a big deal, but you shouldn't take a life to get them, if that makes sense. How do you get... You're so good at this. Me? You got culty, you got witchy, you got druggy, you got, like, American, Caribbean, Mexican crossover. Like, you're just killing it. I love this so much. From a young age, Adolfo's mother believed him and autocorrected beloved him. I don't think she loved him. She just leaved him. (laughs) So, from a young age, Adolfo's mother believed him to be a chosen one among their people, because she also practiced Palo Mayombe, and beloved... Again, beloved? No! There is nothing beloved about any of this! (sighs) Among their people... And believed he had clairvoyant abilities that allowed him to predict the future and speak to the dead. In one article I was reading, they actually claimed that he successfully predicted the assassination attempt on Ronald Reagan. Which is just so full circle. I'm just so... I am good at this. And humble. That's me. Your cult leader. Okay. Your your resident cult leader, Liz. Yes. Liz loyalists. Liz loyalists. Yes. Liz Liz is not your cult name, though. We got to work on that too. Okay. It's never your birth name. You're right. I need some. Yeah. Needs to be wacky. Yeah. We'll have to work on that. Give us some ideas. Yeah. Shoot us some uh, Liz cult name ideas. Yeah. Like her actual name. What I would go by. leader. And it actually, in all reality, should be an androgynous name because, you know, you're a god. So it can be as weird as you want it to be. I consider myself a pretty androgynous person. Yes. So, yeah. Ronald Reagan. Assassination attempt. They believed he predicted it. This young child. Adolfo. He was made to torture and kill animals from a very young age. Like every other young... Yeah? <laughs> Trying not to say crazy person, but... Well, no. He wasn't... He did not start and delight in torturing animals. He was made to. His mother made him. I think that's fascinating. Because you hear about like Jeffrey Dahmer and yeah. most of the time... You know, you have, like, the triad, bedwetter, animal mutilation, and I can't remember the third thing. Antisocial? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But, I don't know if that's a triad, but that's, like, the biggest. Yeah. So, I think it's fascinating that his mother made him torture these animals. So, it's like, are people like this made or born? Or maybe both. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe it's Maybelline. She, as he got older, he became super cruel and unfeeling about these animals. I mean, you become desensitized to it. And his mother would praise him the more cruel he was. Like, the more torture that he did to the animals, his mom was like, I'm so proud of you. Ugh. Great mom. During his childhood, his mother was actually arrested 
for keeping close to 30 animals in their small apartment that had the floors covered in feces and blood. Was this also Pazuzu's mom? Is that where he got his... I don't know. Y'all need to listen to Strange State and listen to the Pazuzu episode, because that's what the hell their house looked like, apparently. And that was a grown man. I love this because we think we had a weird childhood. That is... 30 plus live animals in the apartment mm. when she was arrested. She also had a lot of like petty theft and like little criminal stuff that she got arrested for, but that's the most interesting one. When he turned 21, his mother presented him with an Nganga, spelled N-G-A-N-G-A, which is an iron cauldron used to perform the Palo Mayombe rituals. So it's like his cauldron. This presentation of his Nganga made him a full-blown Palo priest. Or a Polero. So this cauldron is said to hold the pure essence of all the spirits that I don't want to piss off. And specific sacrifices must be made in the Nganga in order to receive different blessings. So like you put certain, certain herbs, stuff like that. Almost like a potion, like you're making the traditional witch double double toil and treble cauldron kind of idea. But like certain ingredients would feed those spirits and the spirits would put forth certain energies. This whole thing is very voodoo. It is also that. That's what I think is so interesting. And it's, I mean, it's an Afro-Cuban religion tradition. It came from the Congo. So that also is very... Caribbean. Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all very related. Santeria is also the same. Most of your, from what I was reading earlier, most of your traditional practitioners now are of Spanish descent of like Santeria. So it's just, it's just kind of fascinating. So, now considered a priest in Palo Mayombe, the charismatic and handsome Adolfo relocated to Mexico City after receiving an offer to be a model. He was pretty and he had a great mullet. Once relocating to Mexico City, he decided to make modeling kind of a part-time gig, and Paulo was going to be his full-time, he was going to be like a healer. I put healer in air quotes. So he moved to Zona Rosa in Mexico City, opening up a Paulo shop to practice as a Palero, which is a Paulo Mayombe priest. Fun fact, Zona Rosa in Mexico City actually translates to the pink district and was the gay-friendly area in Mexico City because he was gay. Stop it. I know. I'm telling you. So many things. Fabulous. Yes. So he identified as gay and he felt safe there. I just love that there's like a fucking non-binary witch term in Spanish. Yeah. Isn't that great? I love all of this because he literally, I get that he's a cult leader and he's going to do some fucked up shit in a minute, but he's a gay Paulo Mayombe priest that like heals people and has clairvoyant abilities and a dope mullet, a dope mullet. 
I don't know. See, this is why I know I'd be so susceptible to a fucking cold. Because I'm like, ugh, you're pretty. And you're gay? Sold. See, these are the people that I feel like if you had tattoos, you would tattoo on you. Probably. Yeah. I have one. I have well, plans for more. Can, yeah. But. But I'm just saying, like, I feel like this yeah. is a guy that you'd be like, this guy was tortured, but incredible. I'm going to wait till the end for you to agree to love him. I didn't say I loved him. You I said was... I loved him? All right. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Okay. I love Franklin Tini. That's why we get that. Oh, I love Franklin Tini, too. If you don't know who that is, why are you even on this episode? Episode one. Episode one. OG. The OG. This is where Adolfo began the con of his life. After becoming locally famous for his work as a Polaro, he began to attract more wealthy and affluent clients. He eventually caught the eyes of many drug kingpins in the area that he had convinced he could make invisible from law enforcement. And he could look into the future and tell them safe days to move their mass amounts of product. Now let me tell you what my man was doing. They showered him with money. Absolutely no price being too high obviously, because they're flourishing under his guidance. What they couldn't know was that the spirits Adolfo was using to protect them was none other than greed, because he was just paying off the police. That's a smart motherfucker right there. Yeah. That is a smart man. Yeah, he was using their money to pay off the police and also feeding the police little tips so they could get, like, rival drug people. He was, like, running the entire drug trade in Mexico and absolutely nobody knew. He was just a gay preacher. He was just a gay priest. Polero. After the owner of the ranch in Santa Elena died, Adolfo used that as his opportunity to take over. Using his charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent... Oh. You're welcome. My God. He convinced the people on the ranch to follow him, which included Seraphine Hernandez and his brother. They even began to participate in his version of Palo Mayombe using the forbidden... Forbidden? Forbidden rude. Forbidden rituals of human sacrifice to make themselves untouchable. He had them convinced he could make them bulletproof. That's why they just drove through there. Yeah. And probably why they were confused as to why the cops stopped them. Because they're like, bitch, how can you see me? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His followers began calling him El Padrino, or the Godfather. El Padrino was not doing this work alone, though. He also had a right-hand woman because fucking... Cult ruling and evil knows no gender. Love it. Sarah Aldrete, also known as El Madrina, or the Godmother, was his high priestess. She was considered outgoing and friendly by all who knew her and was the perfect person to lure new followers and victims to Adolfo. She was actually in, like, community college in Texas as a physical education major. And was on the honor roll. Like what? But also dragging people to their deaths. 
Bitches gotta eat. Bitches gotta eat. She was, what is it, El Madrina? Yeah. Like, that's dope. Right? They're fucking awesome. Just going to school, doing my thing, dragging people to their death. That's yeah. physical edu- physically educating them. Oh, she was educated. <laughs> During Seraphine's confession, he was taken back to the ranch and asked to show them where Mark Kilroy's body was buried. That's where it... <laughs> In this article, too, it was really interesting because the cop literally said, Hey... Show me where the body is. And Seraphine said, which one? Yeah. Yeah, man. Crazy. So, oh, no, no, no. They got more out of this guy because he actually told them the entire story of Mark's, like, last day. Last days. Which I'm about to tell you. So do you think he just really, like, thought he was invincible? Or he was, like, hella stoned. Or he just didn't care. I think he just didn't care. I think at that point, like, he'd been working with drug kingpins and stuff like that. So I'm sure they also did fucked up shit to, like, keep people quiet. Like, I'm sure he was just very used to it. And now he just has a religious reason to be. So, El Padrino believed that using human sacrifice would make the spirits that resided in his nganga more powerful, and able to give him and his followers more protection. Convinced that he needed a certain type of person to fulfill his needs for the spirits, he sent the two Hernandez brothers out on a mission. When they came across Mark Kilroy, already drunk and in a dark alley, they believed the spirits had sent them to him. Flashing fake badges and telling him that he was being arrested for public intoxication, they grabbed him and threw him into the back of a van. This gets really sad because they stopped to meet up with another car to, like, pass him off. And he actually got away and ran and was almost out of their grasp when, in English, they just yelled freeze at him like the police would. And they said it was, like, on pure instinct. He just stopped. And they caught up to him and duct taped his mouth and duct taped his eyes and tied him up. And put him in the car and took him to the ranch. Damn. Yeah, it's real fucked up. Like, he was almost out. And his friends were literally 200 feet from him. That's where the caretaker had come across him and gave him food and water. Somebody's old grandpa? That's honestly what it sounds like. Like, see the abuelo? He's just chilling. He was just living on the ranch and, like, taking care of the ranch. And probably was like, I'm not trying to get killed. So I'm a blind eye, like, whatever. And I'm going to at least treat this guy nice while, yeah. you know. Yeah, so he, that's where the caretaker come across him. He gave him food and water until El Padrino showed up and began the ritual. Mark was then forced onto his stomach. This gets graphic for anybody listening. Yeah, if you got a weak stomach or stuff bothers you, you might want to skip out. Mark was then forced onto his stomach into the shed. Adolfo then split his skull open with a machete and removed his brain and carefully placed it into the Nganga, believing it was going to grant him wisdom. He then chopped Mark's legs off at the knee. I mean, his brain was out, so, like, 
Yeah, but it's still just sick. It's disgusting. But he wasn't feeling this. I'm not even there. They then used a thin wire and threaded it through his vertebrae in his spine and buried him with the wire sticking out of the ground. Seraphin explained that they placed the wire there so when his body decomposed around it, they could then just pull the wire out of the ground and Adolfo could make a necklace out of his spine. Is, is that bad that my first instinct was like, whoa, that's a cool idea? No, I thought the same thing. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's kind of like... genius. But what? Yeah. Fuck. That's, uh... So... I'm just... I don't know. I'm just glad that they, like, hit his head with a machete and took his brain out. Yeah, but he was he was apparently tortured beforehand pretty graphically, so I think he was almost, like, begging them for death at this mm. point. The police were on the property and looked around, and there were other wires sticking out of the ground. Upon further inspection... They unearthed the remains of 14 other people. So according to Medium.com, I'm going to quote this part because it is about like specifically what they found. And there's no other better way to say it than how they said it. All of them had evidence of torture, decapitation, burning, castration, and at least one victim, removal of his heart. When police searched the shack, they found evidence that human sacrifice and mutilation had occurred there. A machete caked in blood and tissue, bottles and jars filled with a putrid mix of blood, hair, and other tissue, a 55-gallon drum apparently used to boil victims' flesh off of their bones, and of course, the nganga itself, which contained a stew of rotting flesh, both human and animal, including Mark Kilroy's brain. They literally found my man's brain in this cauldron. Woof. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Can you just, like... It's hard for me because you and I would be like, yo, that's nasty, but we'd be all about looking in all of it. Yeah. Can you imagine just being, like, a police officer and you just, like... Yeah. Oh, the shed. And you open the door and you're like, oh, what the, oh, shit, what the, uh. Well, if you remember, at first, whenever they went there, when the guys, like, drove off the roadblock, they went in the shed and they actually made a comment about the putrid smell. And I think that, what's it called, um, superstitious. I think that the guys were, like, so superstitious that they, like, nope, we ain't looking at this until they, like, needed to because they, like I said, they saw all the other, like, witchcraft items there. And they were like, eh, eh, evil is here. We are not going in there. There was only one problem after they found all this. El Padrino and El Madrina were on the run. They didn't know where they were. So, this caused a search of all of Adolfo's property because he was rich AF and had, like, apartments and houses and stuff all over Mexico City. fucking god of the... Drug lords? Yeah. I guess. He's like... Dude. The... They never found Adolfo, like, on these properties, 
but they did find evidence of nine more victims, bringing the total to 23. At a loss for what to do, the local police actually went to an anthropologist who specialized in Palo Bay and Santeria, who suggested that they burn all of his ritual items, including the nganga and the shack, in order to, like, smoke him out. So that's what they did. They brought TV cameras to the ranch, got all the evidence they needed to, like, convict him, brought the TV cameras to the ranch, put his nganga on TV, emptied it, burned the contents, ritually destroyed everything in that shack on television so that they hoped that Adolfo would see it. And lose his mind. And guess what happened? He lost his mind. He lost his shit. So, on May the 6th of 1989, he had a full-fledged, like, breakdown. Bitch fit. Yeah. Because he believed in all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, he was raised to believe in it. And they just destroyed his spirit vessel that he had painstakingly taken the time to collect, like, 23 human sacrifices to make this Nganga all-powerful. What the fuck? And he had all those drug lords riding on him. Yeah. Like, part of me knows this man was smart, but also part of me thinks he... I thought he could actually do this stuff. Yeah, he got too big for his britches. Yeah. On May the 6th, 1989, police were called to an apartment where a man was burning all of his money and then also throwing cash and coins out into the street. And they were like, the fuck? And they got there, looked up, and they're like, holy shit, it's El Padrino. He's throwing all his money out into the street because he was literally losing it. He was like super paranoid and afraid the spirits were going to get him. Like he was, he lost his mind. They turned all of their resources on this apartment, and it actually turned into a 45-minute gunfight between the police and El Padrino. It ended, unfortunately, with Adolfo being killed with one gunshot wound. Is that unfortunate? It's unfortunate because he never he never had to pay for the 23 lives he murdered. Took. 23 lives he took. 23 moiders! Like, I think it's fortunate in the sense that, like... He got what he deserved. He got what he deserved. Karma. The spirits from the Nganga were like... Yeah. We gonna get you shot. Like, that's totally fine. It just feels unfinished. probably would have sat in jail and been so paranoid and, like... Yeah. But then, like, some drug lord would have had some guy... I know. I just... I feel like he should have suffered a little bit more. It feels unfinished. He also had a lover with him and a couple of followers. The lover Madrina? was killed. Yeah, Padrino. And then Sarah Aldry, El Madrina, was completely unharmed. She was hiding in a closet. So her and the two followers that were unharmed were immediately arrested. I'm also going to quote this from the medium.com. A total of 14 of Constanzo's cult members were charged with crimes ranging from murder to drug running to obstructing the course of justice. Sarah Aldrete, Elio Hernandez, there's his name, and Serafin Hernandez were convicted of multiple murders and given prison sentences of over 60 years each. 
While the Kilroy family was finally able to achieve closure, the families of his other victims didn't have the benefit of two national police forces and media helping them. This is one reason that I specifically quoted this, because I think this is really important. Of his multiple Mexican victims, only nine have been identified. Police still suspect there may be more victims who simply haven't been found. So, also, full circle again, how sad is it that he killed 23 people, some his own people, like Mexican people, and only got caught when he killed a white man about to be a doctor. Yep. I'm glad the resources were there to be able to fight, you know, him and bring him down. Because obviously I don't think he would have stopped. But it's just so sad that that was the tipping point. He, like, fucked around and found out. He's like, I'm going to kill this American boy just here on spring break. And that was his downfall. Like they said, they think that there are more victims. They don't even know. They don't even think that 23 is the end number. So how many other... Yeah, it's only the bodies that they found. How many other countless Mexicans had to die at this guy's hands? Like, who fucking knows? There's no telling. Especially in the rituals. Obviously, they're, like, burning. They were boiling flesh off of bones. Stuff like that. That's destroying evidence. They could have literally, like, ground the bones up. There could be people that have absolutely no trace of them left in this world that he killed. And I hope that the spirits in that Nganga are now torturing the fuck out of him. Did they end... Did this, like, cult, like, group following end when he died? Yes. And that's mostly because... He was, like, their messiah. He was their messiah, and... Honestly, most of them are in prison. <laughs> are in prison. Yeah, because it wasn't, it was very small and it was not a cult in the sense that he was like even advertising himself. You know what I mean? Right. Like on a mass scale. But he did believe himself to be this great clairvoyant prophet and. That he could manipulate the spirits to do what they wanted him to do. He was sinister. He was very sinister. There's a really good episode on on cults about this one. And that was the first time and the only time I've ever heard of them before. And, you know, as soon as they said narco-Satanists, I was in. I was sucked in. The show. But I also think that's kind of an unfair term. Because they weren't worshipping Satan. They just did something that we would deem satanic. So yeah, that was my cult. <sighs> that was awesome. Cult torturous. I just love that you did sinister and I'm doing strange. I know. But we seem to somehow do that. I do also want a disclaimer that there are people that practice Palo Mayombe and Santeria in America even today and they have like practitioner shops and their Poleros and they do not condone any of this stuff either. They just they practice the traditional Palo Mayombe. And while they do do some animal sacrifice and things traditional such as that, there are sects that don't do that anymore. That have like grown kind of with the times. 
but there are more traditional shops that still believe in animal sacrifice, but it is just a part of their traditional culture and their religion. I saw an episode of Law and Order SVU. Yes, you did. That has Paula Mayombe in yes. it. Yes. I just, that just clicked with me. I was like, wait mm-hmm. a minute. Because they were trying to make them look like the bad guys. And mm-hmm. they weren't. And they weren't. And that's the thing, is they are really just practicing a religion and a tradition and something that has literally been done for hundreds of years. And this man just kind of made a mockery of it. He was the extremist version. Extremist version everything. Mm-hmm. The cult I've chosen to focus on is very famous. At first, I was iffy about doing it because it's so well-known and well-covered. Thankfully, HBO, also, well, now it's permanently known as HBO Max, released a docu-series in uh, the fall, early winter, um, just a couple months ago, November, December time. A ton of new information came out. Uh, it's four parts. It's like 45 minutes an episode. I watched all of it this morning. I literally was just like looking into cults and had a completely different one I was going to do and started watching it. It was like, oh, snap. I got to do it. It was my first instinct anyway. I'm going for it. The cult is Mm-mm-mm. Heaven's Gate. Oh, love it. So good. And this is also... For me in particular, as someone who's super focused on aliens and UFO phenomena, I could totally see myself joining these people back in the day. This group was founded by Marshall Herf Applewhite the second or junior. I'm not really sure. It wasn't like I couldn't really find anywhere. He was named after his father who had the same name. Okay. So I'm with you. Uh, and Bonnie Lou Nettles in 1974. They were known as The Two, Doe and T, Bo and Peep with their sheep, and many other random names. Uh, Doe and T are what they were referred to as most. Doe being Herf Applewhite was his preference. He hated being called Marshall. So Hmm. Herf was Doe and Bonnie Lou was T. Um, Doe and T came from their love for the sound of music. And Doe, being a musician and former music professor at the University of Alabama, Tuscaloosa, his first love was always music. He was a natural performer, had great charisma, and always had audiences in his grip, no matter the size. Hello, cult leader. Done. Yeah. Wow. There was rumor of an affair he had with a male student when he was a professor, which kind of led him into a tailspin. Mm. Uh, his wife had left him and he was, you know, the son of a crazy, like super religious Southern Presbyterian minister father who was like, no gay, no gay for you. Bad. Bad gay. Bad. Oh, we're doing a a side theme. Oh yeah. Look at that. They both gay. Oh, that's cute. My guy was... Totally, like, out, proud, and loud, though. Yeah, mine, mine gets kind of disturbing. Well, you know. Um, 
So there was rumor of an affair. The school basically was like, you got to go if you sleep with your student. Like, this don't fly. This, at this point, was in the, like, 60s in Alabama. Like, when you're a music professor in Alabama in the 60s, they probably know if you're a male music professor. You know? I don't know, because... When you're, like, super charismatic and, like... One would think that, but historically... I feel like, even though people expect teachers and professors and stuff to be women, historically it was men. And even in the 60s, like, not a lot of women were working. True. So it probably wasn't that weird. True. I get what you're saying, but also you're wrong. He left Alabama, landed in Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas, baby. Herf joined the opera in Houston. Because that was his big thing. He was an incredible opera singer. I actually, we should post some of him singing because it is incredible. Really? Yeah. He played. Damn her. He lost his mind a little. and uh, Weird. When he did, he was in uh, the opera Susanna, where a traveling preacher seduces Susanna. Oh. And so he had like a main part and like the music that they have in this docuseries, it shows him in the opera, and it is like, I was blown away. Wow. I was like, holy crap, dude. Um, But that's when he had, like, his psychotic episode, which led to him being institutionalized, and that is where he met T. Sweet T. T was a nurse and avid astrologist, UFO-obsessed, actively used crystals while performing seances, and was a firm believer in New Age philosophies. I'm not T. That's the T. That's the T. Liz is T reincarnated. I'm one of the weird followers reincarnated. Yeah. Full circle. Full circle. Here we are. What's happening? You guys coming along for the ride? I didn't like your face. (laughs) She. T? T. Okay. Her, which that was another one of their names. Was her? him and her. I mean, you know, keep it Whatever. simple. Yeah. I don't know if she was Bo or Peep, though. I th- think she might have been Peep. Bo? Doe? I think she might have been Peep. I don't know. Side note, I'm just putting this in here so we remember. Whenever we actually create our pod recording studio. Comfy chairs. Or like a better closet. Uh, a couch or something. Yeah. Yeah. My ass bone hurts. Yeah. My and this back. makes noises? Or is yeah. like something like that wouldn't really make noise? Yeah, maybe one day you guys can, you know, help us out with Patreon and help us not be sitting in lawn chairs. In the closet. In our closet. But it's fine. Yeah, we we're happy it. to be doing it. We love we're this. We're here. We're doing this for us, too. We're not totally doing you. this for us. T suggested to Doe that the two of them were fated to work together on some grand project. They were soulmates destined to be spiritual partners. Do you think she manipulated him a little bit? She was the brains. Oh, well. She was what you were just talking about doing in your own cult. Because I'm T. He was the face she needed. They set off together on their journey of spiritual destiny and traveled the U.S. visiting gurus, churches, and other New Age mind leaders. She had this crazy idea and was very reserved and Uh it was like, 
here's this young, charismatic, like, wide-eyed guy. Pretty man. Who was hungry for a new start, and she was like, that's him. That's it. So Doe is, like, known as, like, the face. But it really was, this was her. And it's very, she contradicts herself a lot, too, which you'll see. Um, when they were traveling and was visiting. charismatic? Are you looking at a picture of him? Yeah. <laughs> he's a little crazy. He got crazy eyes. For show. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't wait to post, like. Okay, okay. Older you see pictures. You younger? Yes, handsome. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right before. Well, like... because I saw this. And was like, oh, that's Sawyer. You gotta watch it. Okay, I will, but... Um, when they were traveling and talking to all these people, they had just an idea and no money. So essentially, they took on, like, small jobs and, like, favors for these people to start funding their little idea they were trying to form, because they really weren't even 100% sure exactly how they were going to present this. Right. Um, but after a year or so, they ended up in Oregon uh, in the early 70s. And they had come to the conclusion that they were the two witnesses from the book of Revelation. So, growing up in the South as a Baptist kid again, I'm very familiar with the book of Revelation. I've taken New Testament classes, Old Testament classes, had tests on these things and Awana and so I know the Bible very well and I actually put in the scripture here for people who aren't aware but in the book of Revelations it states uh it's chapter 11 verses 3 through 12 and I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in clothed in sackcloth there are the two olive trees and the two lampstands and they stand before the lord of the earth if anyone tries to harm them fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies this is how anyone who wants to harm them must die they have power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying and they have power to turn water into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want now when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them and overpower and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the public square of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. For three and a half days, some from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and terror struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, while their enemies looked on. These motherfuckers thought that was a UFO that was going to beam their asses up. <laughs> they thought... They were those two people. Yeah, Doe and... Doe Doe and T. T. Think that they are the two witnesses from Revelation and that the end is coming, which in the 70s, so many cults thought the end was coming. People still think the end... How many times has the end come since we've been alive? Well, I think that the 70s was just such a time of great change. 
Like you were going from that one, what is it? Uh, 2.5, like nuclear family, whatever that is. Can't remember what the thing is. 2.5 people. Never like the white picket before. fence. And, yeah, like yeah. the American dream. Like you were going from that and you had Charles Manson who was trying to incite a race war and like murder all these people and drugs were rampant and free love. All the hippies and, and new age and... Yeah, so people were thinking... For themselves. Yeah, well, I was going to say that people were more thinking that the world as they know it was fucking ending. Because yeah. chaos was reigning supreme. Kind of similar to what we think right now with all the crazy shit going on. It's like... It's a cycle that continues yes. over and over and over. And it's like different with every generation. And we have more technology now. And we have, we're more aware of history. Yeah. And what I just read in the scripture, whether, you know, you're in Christianity, whatever, whatever. Historically... This has already happened. The book of Revelations happened in like Moses time. So it's like all these things are, it's all a cycle. Mm -hmm. Every 50, 100 years or so, something crazy is going on and somebody thinks it's something. And the it's 70s, not. everyone was like, screw your suppression. Screw me being a housewife. Screw me having to be a blue collar, white collar. Everyone in the 70s was like, I'm done with this shit. Yeah. Like, I'm over it. So it was just like... It was a time of great change. Yeah. Everyone's kind of doing their own thing. You know? Which, we can deep dive into this another day, but Liz knows and everyone around me knows that I believe most shit out of the Bible and other historical religious documents show evidence of the gods and prophets being extraterrestrial. Running over pedestrians. <laughs> Screaming, let's just be friends! I'm sorry, I'm trash. The chariots and the Greek gods and the angels and stuff, just hear me out. They all are coming out of the sky. People are just seeing them come out of the sky. And yeah. what's in the sky? Aliens are in the sky. Uh, if you watch the first few episodes of Ancient Aliens on History Channel, it'll shake you up. Especially if you grew up in religion, Christianity specifically, which is what Heaven's Gate fell under. They were a Christian offshoot, basing themselves off of scientific and telepathic beliefs and practices more so than the spiritual or religious. The cloud referenced at the end of the verse that took them as their enemies Big looked on. Cloud. Kind of sounds like UFO. And the Virgin Mary? The Virgin Mary? Was she a virgin? Or was she implanted? Alien style on a UFO show. Oh, I was like, where the fuck is this going? But I got you. No. Yeah. No, I'm so, with that. My wife actually has a alien Jesus tattooed on the back of her leg. It's very nice. They started having presentations of their beliefs all over the place. Placing posters within cities and towns that promoted conspiracy and sci-fi type things. I'm definitely having Liz post the different posters they had because they were wild. Because they all were, like, you know, promoting conspiracies and sci-fi type things, uh, and pretty much all of them claimed two individuals sent from the next level above human and will return to that level in a spaceship soon. Like, what? Yeah. Uh, in 1975, they received national attention after giving a presentation in Oregon where they called themselves 
human individual metamorphosis or total overcomers anonymous which is my favorite total overcomers anonymous i am there did you hit yourself in the head yes but i am there i feel you yeah we're overcoming yes telling their followers that they would be whisked away to heaven in a ufo Oh, love that. Yeah, I'm tr- I would be like, take me. Yeah, you Where would. is it? Yeah, you would. Right now. I'll do whatever you want. I'll do whatever. First, they would have to say no to sex, drugs, earthly possessions, and abandon their families, though. I don't like how you listed that. They would have to say no to sex, drugs. Ah, <laughs> uh, sex is a drug. Sex, comma, drugs. <laughs> Earthly possessions. And abandon their families. None of those sex drugs around here. Yeah. Drugglers. No more. No more drugglers here. Say no to drugglers. Say no. Druggling's bad. Okay. (laughs) They would say, your focus is on your heavenly father, not those earthlings. Some of these people had kids. Little kids. And like... If you watch that docuseries, it is so sad because, like, a lot of cults, they're like, bring your kids with you. Let's continue this. Come on. Come on, bring the kids. They were like, nah, your kid gotta go somewhere. You know, what's really interesting about that is if you've read a lot about Scientology, one of their beliefs is that you're, like, reincarnated and stuff like that. So, the bond between child and parent, they don't believe in that. Like, if something happens, your child could actually be your father in, like, a past life and, like, all this stuff. So, they they don't believe in the child-parent bond. They They don't care. They don't care how young the kid is. They all get treated the same. Adults, children, no matter what. See, I think that's funny because I feel like these suggestions for them was the only way to a better life known as Tela. T-E-L-A-H. Oh. The evolutionary level above human. Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Aliens. A.K.A. Aliens! Aliens! Uh... 150 plus people in Oregon listened to this, and a couple dozen agreed to join. And were considered missing not long after. Oh, weird. They were just like, hey, uh, there's like 20-some people gone. And uh, we saw these two alien people and everybody's just gone. So Rapture. Yeah. They were the two witnesses. They all continued traveling together, staying at campsites separated into small groups. No socializing or human-level relationships were allowed. They all had to dress alike have similar haircuts, and T used Boy George as a huge example because he was perfect in the androgyny aspect and absolutely horrid in the human behavior aspect. Because didn't they, they wore like track suits and like Nike tennis shoes. And Not track suits. They did wear Nike tennis shoes. That's like a famous thing. But they wore like shirts that buttoned all the way up to their neck. Okay. Um, and like black slacks. And Nike tennis shoes. But they do... They could have, like, floral shirts. or it, They just... 
the collar was like up and it was like literally buttoned to the very top. Looked really uncomfortable. They began the classroom stage in 1976. The classroom or the classes would lead to graduation as in them exiting the planet. As Ooh. in them not being alive. Going through Heaven's Gate. Yeah. They had 17 steps that they had to follow. 24 hours a day, everything was seen as a task. And to make sure they were doing everything properly, they had a partner check system. And they were generally paired with people they weren't necessarily fond of to further test them and make sure they were being more robotic than human and having no emotion. Okay, so maybe we are Heaven's Gate reincarnate. <laughs> that was good. Uh, that was funny. That was fine. That was fine. That was it. <laughs> um, so. The human body is a vehicle, and the mind is a computer, and your soul is just sitting in it until it's ready. That's. That's it. Okay. That's that's their terminology. They have a lot of terminology. And that's part of like getting into it is you gotta know it. There's a lot. There's a lot. Their website is still active. It if is. If you get curious. Yeah, it's and it still looks like it was created in the it looks the they same. They have a red alert at the top. Mm-hmm. When I went to it a second ago. Uh red alert. Hailbop brings closure to Heaven's Gate. What I think is really funny and not funny about all of this, uh, and this recently came out, um, and a lot of the former members were, like, pissed. Uh, They have an email. We could email them. We could probably write to the P.O. Box. Is the P.O. Box still listed? 4757 East Greenway Road. Yeah, and you're supposed to, to the attention of... The Overcomers Anonymous. Interesting. So, here's the irony. You remember earlier I was talking about how T had a lot of conflicting things going on? Mm-hmm. So, the entire time, like, you can't talk to your family. They think you're missing. You're living in campsites and, like, yada yada. She was writing letters to her daughter. Mm, that sounds right. And encouraging her daughter to be a part of society and live as normal as possible. So, she doesn't have to ever worry about on her conscience if she's doing the right thing or not. So basically, T just wanted a following. She just wanted people to follow she, her, and she knew that her shit was crazy. Yes. And she, she wanted believed her daughter in to it. not be crazy. She believed in it, but she did not want her daughter to miss out on life. Which I think is so weird. Like, because, like, part of the reason she got into this is because she had this dream that her and her daughter were abducted together. Weird. Like, but, so it's just, T was very interesting. The number of Heaven's Gate's followers, like, always varied. Uh, they had over 200 members at once, um, but people started falling off because of their time frames. They were a cult on a timeline. They always had, like, Something they oh this is when it was gonna happen this See, is when it's gonna happen that da, 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 da. is rule number one of what I would not do mm-hmm. in a cult you can't you can't have a doomsday timeline anytime you hear of a cult a doomsday cult or anything like that it falls apart because the first timeline 
date comes up and they're like, oh shit, the earth is not ending. And so then you got to convince those people to stay around and you got to give them another date. Yep. And it just doesn't make any sense. No, I want unyielding loyalty to me only. Fuck the dates. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. But it's about to get really shaken up. Well, in the early 80s, T wrote her daughter a lady. A later? She wrote her a later. She wrote her a later. She wrote her daughter a letter stating how bad she felt, like physically. Like she was sick. She didn't feel good. And in 1985, T finally went to a doctor and was dead within three weeks. Kansar? She had eye cancer. They had to remove one of her eyes and replace it with a fake eye. But by that time, it had gotten to all her major organs and she had, like, her whole liver was eaten up by cancer and she was dead. You know, I'm surprised that it was her liver because of the close proximity to the eye. I mean, fuck. Because uh, the, the close eye is pro- close to the brain? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So it could have started in her liver and, like, it just, like, her eye is what made it, you know, who knows? Who That's knows? true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the 80s. Like, it was you know, it wasn't as... This caused the group a lot of concern because how could their leader of 10 plus years die of something so human? Da-da. Like, that where was this good. coming from and why had Tella not happened For her. at this point? Yeah. Um... Doe convinced everybody that her new level consciousness had been reached before everyone else and burnt up the machine and vehicle. Okay. So, Homeboy said, just for all the laymen out there, Homeboy said she had to die because she was so far advanced from everyone else that her vehicle just, like, gave up. It just burned up. And her computer was like, we done. Short circuit. Out. Out of your eyeball. And Heaven's Gate at this point lost a lot of members. I mean, that's kind of genius on his part. Yeah. To be like, hey, she just ascended real quick. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he went to the extreme at this point. He was like, shit. Like, all right, cool. Well, his, like, pullback was gone. Well, kids, yeah. He, so over the next ten years, many members would come and go. They continued traveling and spreading the word. He created the Doe Manifesto and stated he was Jesus and T had been God the Father. And they released their doctrine and established their website, which is still active today, like we talked about. This is where they started making all their money. They started getting revenue. Revenue. Yes. They were very controlled and militant, all having changed their names and taking on a monk-nun-like status. So they all had six-syllable names. So the last three, or they had one syllable. No. Hold on. (laughs) It was six letters in the name. One, like, syllable. So it would be like, Liz would be perfect. So, like, you would be like, Liz Odie would be your name. 
And then once, everybody would just call me Liz. No, they'd call you Liz Odie. So your name would be L I Z O D Y. So it'd be three letters, one syllable, and then O D Y added to it. Oh, okay. So like, essentially, I don't even know how you would make mine. It'd be like less Odie. Or Siody. Siody. I like Siody. But it would have to be six letters, so it'd have to be like S I H O D Y or something. Right. And once you ascended, the Y got dropped. So you'd be Lizod. I love that. Yeah. So they all had. So, like Sawyer, I referred to earlier when Liz showed me a picture. Uh, he left the group right before the ending, and he still firmly believes in it. And he's, like, a huge part of this documentary. And he lives a very sad life. Um, so is his... He went by Saudi. 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 He's precious. Um, so, with that in mind, out there, listeners, my cult name, keep it, keep it on the forefront. Are we going to have a structure like that? Yeah. Help us plan it out. That's how you really remove people from everything, because, like... When you change your name and get a new name, you disassociate from, like, all memory. Yeah. And then they're in this bubble with him, and they're all so robotic, it doesn't stimulate them to create new memories. So at that point, he's got it. He's got it in the bag. Like, he knows what's up. Um, he presented each of them with $100 to buy a ring so they could marry him. So he married all of them. I mean, that's kind of a high price tag. Yeah, they could only watch some approved material outside of Doe. And the main one, of course, was Star Trek, which I think is hilarious. Oh my god, I'm a Trekkie. Because, like, he had it laid out to essentially, they were all gonna ascend to the next level and be a part of T's, like, crew. On, like, their own enterprise. Oh my god. Fun fact. I'll give you that fun fact at the end, because I don't want to remember. I am Star Trek over Star Wars any day. That makes me so happy. Well, he took it even further. Okay. And asked that the male members be castrated. Stating it was because they were going next level where nobody had a gender. And so they all needed to be androgynous. And should be castrated. Which I honestly think he was tempted with his sexuality and everything. That he was, like, trying to find the easiest way for him and them to avoid their, like, human urges. Oh, Um, shit. So he set up a building and had the word Mexico placed on it. So if anything happened and the authorities asked, they could claim it. They had it done in Mexico. What? Yeah, dude. It's like this building, and it just said Mexico. Mexico. A, full <laughs> circle. Yeah, again. What? But also, <laughs> it, how? It gets weirder. Ignorant, <laughs> and I'm so angry. He had two members who had been nurses set it up and t- attempt to perform the first one, which went terribly wrong. Yeah, you said attempt, so... They, oh no, they got they got the balls out. But then everything just swelled up profusely. And they didn't want to go to the hospital. 
So they reached out to a local Catholic priest who was like, the fuck? But in, I'm guessing, the most like polite way possible. So they eventually took the guy to the hospital, and some of the members dropped his testicles off of a pier to get rid of the evidence. <laughs> Liz is like, not okay. <laughs> I am just so confused. No. Like, because when you said that, and I get that it's way more complicated than that, because, like, you still have to be able to, like, pee and stuff. But I was just, like, thinking, like, Ken and Barbie, like, smooth. They were just going to be, like, and just chop everything off, and it was just going to be smooth under there. Mm-mm. But they were trying... They were just cutting the balls off. That's where everything comes from. Like, I don't know. I'm highly confused. Within a few weeks, Doe found an actual doctor. Thank God. And seven to nine other members were castrated. Following this, they started a TV satellite series called Beyond Human. They paid for 14 hours and had a Q&A, and Doe shared his message. They also spent over 30 grand on an ad in the USA Today. It was a half a page entitled UFO Cult UFO Cult's Final Offer. There was a P.O. box where people could write in Total Overcomers Anonymous. They had many people write to them and had some old members return as well. So he was like, yeah, we a cult. Yeah. He was like, we're waiting for the sign and we're out of here. They hit the road and started gathering their final graduating class. They were greatly made fun of and humiliated in this time as well, though. And this is when he decided, all right, it's happening. As soon as, like, something goes down, we're out. And he said, we're leaving everybody that's rude to us the fuck behind. The group did not believe in suicide, though. They just believed that they were graduating to Tella and exiting their vehicles. Right. So they just started discussing different ways to do so. They just wanted force exiting. What is that called? Eject. Eject button. Please step out of the vehicle. Put your hands where I can see them. Exactly. But with poison. This was not super long after Waco. Waco was what, 93? I think so. And this is like 96? 95, 96? Yeah. So they were inspired by Waco and had discussed buying weapons and having police-assisted deaths. They were like, let's just have the police kill us. Which, after Waco, the police had to be very careful. Yeah. <laughs> like, they wouldn't have just rolled up and gone Waco on them. Like, yeah. that's not how it would have happened. The sign he was looking for came in 96 with the... Haley Bop Comet, which you were saying. Haley Bop. There was supposedly a UFO behind it. That was T telling them it was time. Now, some people say there wasn't a UFO behind it. It all came from, there was like, there was a guy, a conspiracy guy, who was like a radio host. I can't remember his name. Um, He had said that he had seen or captured a UFO behind it. Okay. So, Doe took that and ran with it. Okay. 
and told everybody that it was there. He just happened to see it. It was a sign to them from T that it was time to go. Time to go. So the group set into place their plan. After 22 years, it was time to graduate to next level and join T on her enterprise. They purchased a house in Santa Fe, California. They sent out letters and floppy disks of their websites and doctrines so others would have it in case the government took over their website. Each member sent a letter to a loved one letting them know that they were departing. One member's final words being, Hasta la vista, baby. (laughs) I don't know why I thought that was so funny. (laughs) I think it's funny because I think it's ironic. This cult that, like, they were only allowed to watch, like, Star Trek and all this stuff. And they're, like, deprogrammed. And he's like, I know that I'm about to leave my earthly body and, like, be in heaven. Later. Hasta la vista. In the weeks leading up, they visited SeaWorld, Las Vegas, Mexico, and the place that all began in Oregon. How are you going to tell me these people knew, didn't know, that they were not going to ascend into the Enterprise? They was just going to be dead. They live in life like they knew. They were celebrating. They were like, we're about to go to heaven. We're going to live it up and spend the rest of our money. We're going to go... Watch the sea lions. Be tortured. Yeah. Blackfish. Oh, so sad. So, so sad. So sad. Uh, hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista. On March 22nd, 1997, the final 39 members put on black slacks, black shirts, and black Nike sneakers. Sponsored. They each had $5.75 in their pockets. This is my favorite, like, fun fact. Because of Mark Twain's statement that five seventy-five is the cost to ride the tail of a comet to heaven. Oh. So they all had five $1 bills and three quarters in their pocket. They laid on their beds and ingested... An awfully good cocktail, if I must say. They ingested phenobarbital and vodka mixed up in pudding. Holy shit. And or applesauce. And I'm going to tell you, that was probably a great last meal. (laughs) They probably straight up hallucinated heaven. I was like, fuck yeah, we made it. But they did it in groups. Like waves? So like, the first group went... And everyone that was left, like, helped clean up and covered them in, like, a purple cloth. So, like, if you look up pictures, that's why the Nike sneakers are so famous. Because, like, you see people laying on twin beds, perfectly still, with a purple cloth draped over them. So all you really see is, like, a white check mark. Just do it. Just, they they just did it. They did it. Doe went with the second group. He was the 37th. To die and, or excuse me, graduate. He was alone in his king-size bed upstairs in the house. The final two, number 38 and 39, were found in the same attire but with plastic bags around their heads to make sure they would die since they didn't have anybody to assist if necessary. I mean... 
You don't want to get left behind. They plan. Kirk Cameron, you listening? I was about to say, left behind, we both read it. <laughs> both. We both read it. A few days after, a former member who had received one of the letters alerted authorities. They had released a farewell video, and it ended with 39 to beam up. Oh, beam me up, Scotty. This was the largest mass suicide on U.S. soil. 21 women and 18 men. One being the brother of a Star Trek actress. This was seen as a joke to a lot of people. SNL did a skit where Will Ferrell played Doe and they were pretending to be interviewed in the next level. Many members have committed suicide following this, feeling that they missed their chance to graduate. Oh, that's awful. There's so much info on this cult. Is that why Sawyer's so sad? Yeah. He literally, like, there's so much info on them, but, like, I really want you guys to watch the HBO series. It, it gets wild, and there's so much information and Sawyer is huge. That's where a lot of the information comes from. He still 100% believes in it. He literally, like, part of when they're interviewing him in the last episode, he is sitting in the middle of a field with a fire just staring at the sky. Staring at the night sky. Looking for, like, one of them's UFOs. And there's also another guy that's on there, um... And him and his girlfriend were the original, like, couple that were with Doe and T. And he got out of it because he started realizing how bad it was, and she didn't. And he said that up until 2015, she visited him once a month in a dream, and she was the true love of his life, and that in that last dream, she looked at him and said, I have to go, and he watched her walk into the ocean, but that he would see her again one day. And he's sad and alone, too. Like, that is so sad and depressing. Like, I... Ugh. And there's, like, sociologists and, like, a lot of people that have been in cults that are, like, cult experts that talk about deprogramming and, like, yeah. how it's ugh. never... Like, 22 years of your life in a cult. And here we are 24 years after the mass suicide. So we're talking... Almost 48 yeah. years, 46 years, something like that, of your life, like, they're getting out, like, they say it and they're getting out of that is like a plant growing through concrete. Like, it's possible, but it's, like, impossible. Well, there's so many psychological things that they talk about, too, with cults, that part of the reason cults work, and actually doomsday cults is a big thing. They say that basically you have to double down on your belief. So say the first date comes and nothing happens. You're embarrassed. You're human. You don't want to admit that you were wrong. And so like your brain is like, oh, well, it must just be this other date. He was just mistaken. And you literally double down on your belief. And so I can imagine that... At that point, you have to double down. You're in 40 years deep. Well, and this guy, not Sawyer, the other guy, he has a severe impediment, like talking. Speech impediment? It's not like a, like he's, I don't know how to explain it, but part of it is from the cult because he spent so many years like not talking uh. and had suppressed everything he had to say. And that's part of what 
made him leave is Doe made a fool out of him one day and he was trying to defend himself and like couldn't. And the whole time he's in this documentary, like it takes him so long to get words out. It's like a, he's this precious old man. Like, but it's, do you have HBO Max? No. I'll give you Anna's log. You got to watch it. I mean, it's, and it's sad too. Cause like you have someone like Sawyer who like still believes in it, but like kind of knows like it wasn't necessarily for him, but like he still stares at the sky and waits for UFOs to show up and like is by himself and like a real wacky guy and was talking about like how, yeah, it's like funny and like Saturday Night Live and all these things like make fun, but like. They were all at one point just like young people who thought they were doing a the good right thing. deed, and they just get shit on. Yeah, it I is mean, sad. And he, God, poor Doe, that guy. Yeah, you're rejected because of your sexuality. You grew up in the religious South. You're a talented musician, and you get rejected, and you meet this lady with all these great ideas. Yeah, she pulls you in, who, man. Like. Gives they you say all this attention. Him. And he got, I mean, can you imagine being him, like, n- trying not to show emotion when she just died out of nowhere? Yeah, when that was, like, the only person it sounds like he had, and like, connection with. And then he had to, like, with. figure it out, which he apparently did. Yikes. But, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There was a lot of information out there on them, but since this documentary came out, it has, like, hope- opened a whole new... Yeah thing like, a whole new realm a whole, a whole new, new world. world heaven's gate is opening but they also in that revelations verse i read it talks about how the two witnesses have the power to close heaven and that is sawyer's concern oh is that, that heaven's gate it. is closed and he can't ascend and he's like waiting for the ufo ship Oh, he yeah, he is precious. I hope he has a really good hallucination. Yeah. Like, you know, whenever he's about to die, life flashes before his eyes. I hope he hallucinates them opening the gate for him. I want him to be happy. Yeah. God. And I want other guy to, like, see the love of his life again. Yeah, that's depressing. Yeah. That's straight up depressing. Can you imagine, like, trying to, like, convince this person to like leave with you and they say no and you're like i have to leave like there's so many cults like that so awful i mean there's so many cults like parents and children and where children grow up and they're like i have to get out of here but they don't want to leave their parents and vice versa look at not a cult but think about kids that grow up amish yeah very they have to decide at a certain age whether or not You're just so indoctrinated. And no matter what, whether it's honestly religion or a cult, you know, same belief system. Any belief system. A lot of the time you're ostracized from those people once you're like, hey, I don't believe your beliefs. It's like my uh, self help cult I was talking about. Yeah. Like as soon as you're like, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore, they're like, you're out. You're cut off. Well, extreme religions, guys. Cults. Small groups of people, sinister and strange. Ooh. 
which Small groups of is people just another label from society because we think there's something known as normal strange. and there's not. I also think that it's fun that the word sinister just like coincided with strange. Like people automatically assume, oh my God, that's fucking weird. Must be sinister. You know that weird, if you Google weird, the definition of weird is suggesting something supernatural, uncanny. Induce a sense of disbelief or alienation. Alienation and disbelief. Cult. So, also, suggesting something supernatural. Weird sounds cool to me. Oh, yeah. Weird AF is us. I'm weird. So weird. Episode four. That was good. That was actually really solid. And it's going to be long. It's going to be nice and long. Yes. I like and it. And I like that, like, we don't really give each other too much information, and then we, like, end up vibing every time. Every time. Except it happens. Except for Frank and Lobster Boy. There was no vibes. There was all bad vibes. Except for Frank. Well, Frank was the good vibe, but I just meant vibes of ours. Ours! I gotta go. <laughs> Liz is not eating today, and that's what's happening. Are you gonna look nice? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. Her husband is picking up my wife, and we're going to eat steaks. We love you. We do love you. Instagram, at Deep Fried Unknown. Facebook. Deep Fried Unknown. Email. Deep Fried Unknown at gmail.com. Suggestions. What can we do better? What do you like? Are you Beyonce? Are you Eminem? Is this John Travolta? Priyanka, I'm still pining for you. Yes. Also, if you just want to say, hey, we want to talk to you. Yeah. If we... If you were involved in a cult. Yeah. If we fucked up something, let us know. Please let me know. But I'm just going to throw this out there into the Heaven's Gate universe. There's a nice way to say stuff. If we messed up, I like accountability, but don't be a jerk. Constructive criticism. Yeah. Build the sandwich. Tell us we're awesome. Tell us how we fucked up. Tell us we're even cooler than anyone else you know. Yeah, absolutely. That's all I want to hear. Yeah. Ooh, cult ideas. Yes. Liz's cult name. My cult name that I will lead the cult with. Um, We're going to... Our our show is a variety show. So variety. we will do cults again at some point. We will. We'll do whatever. Like I said, you got an idea? You want to research it? You want us to research it? Want to hear about it? Let's do it. Yeah, especially if it's like some of your hometown shit that like isn't well known. Oh, I love that. Live for it. Yeah. Give us something that nobody really knows about. That's why I got so can... excited about the narco satanist. Yeah, we can make you and your hometown famous because you will get credit for it. A hundred percent. We'll be like, yo, our home them. Yeah. Uh, whatever your name is. Yeah. Showed us this. And they're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Be share, the cult. follow, forward, promote, join. The cult. <laughs> the cult. <laughs> there will also be a website. Yes. With our sources, because very obviously, me and Silas write like research papers every single week for this. And we could not do it without our amazing sources. Yes. So and there will be plenty of pictures. Yeah. Let us know really how interested y'all are in watching us. Yeah. Too. That's a fun thought. We could definitely invest in like a 
cheap camera or something. I got a camera. Oh, yeah, you do have a camera. Let us know if you want to watch us, because it's funny. We weird. Uh, I don't know. Should we film this in the closet? (laughs) Yeah, we'll just say it. Yeah, I think we're we're growing with you guys. We're going to grow with our hopeful fan base. So suggestions are always welcome. Yes, and if you like us, tell people you like us. Yeah. Tell people to listen to us. Comment, review. Share, share, share. On Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts is the big, like, rate and review thing. And we'll throw you... If it's your freaking birthday, let us know. A we'll throw you a shout-out. secret party. No, we'll throw you a shout-out. No, I just meant, in general, we'll throw you a party in our heads yes. every time you give us a good review slash comment. Yeah. But also, yeah. Is it your birthday? Is it your anniversary? Does your husband... I gotta seize. Oh, <laughs> God, that sounded great. <laughs> Is it your birthday, your anniversary? Does I your husband love your us? Does your mom love us? I spit on you. I'm sorry. <sighs> That's fine. Whoever loves us, we'll tell them we love them. I'm so sorry. Liz, y'all heard that sneeze. If we were filming, you would see her spit on my leg. I didn't mean to. I'm so disgusted for you. I don't really care. I'm sorry. It's really fun. Anyways. That's it. That's it. That ended it.